Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode number 147. Today, Andy and I are going to talk about uh, the media post engagement scan or search and assess. Uh, Andy, how you doing today? Great. Good to see you again. Heck yeah. Awesome <laughs> being here. Cool. Um, so we got a couple different uh, things to talk about with the scan and search and assess, and uh, we're going to get right into that right when we get back. Bravo Concealment Holsters is a high-quality holster manufacturer based out of Texas. The customer service at Bravo Concealment is unmatched, and when you buy from Bravo Concealment, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee and an unlimited lifetime warranty. Visit bravoconcealment.com and use the code GUNFIGHTER at checkout for 10% off your next holster. All right, welcome back. So I get a question asked in comments of videos and other things fairly often, and they ask, why are you and why does everybody else always look around after they shoot their guns? Like the the scan, the 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 turning the head left and right, and and looking around. Now, we'll get into reasons why we're doing that, and and why people do that, and why I, I I think it's a good, it's a skill, it's a thing that we should be working on, thing that we should be doing. It's uh, but before we do that, uh, I there's some ways that people do it that um, I I don't think it's it's really keeping with what we see in reality. What, what happens in reality is a little bit different than what I see often on the internet or even sometimes the way I've been taught how to conduct a scan. Uh, the way I was taught how to, to do my search and assess or scan in the Marine Corps, uh, I don't really agree with it. Uh, the way I taught a scan three years ago, uh, I don't agree with it anymore um, because I've got new information and uh, I'll explain that here in a few minutes. So, But when I'm talking about that scan, I'm talking about we just you drew our gun, used our gun, we stop somebody. What should I be doing next? You know, right? I, I need to be. I need to 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 become more spatially aware of my surroundings. I need to understand if I need to shoot this person more or if the fight is over. Uh, I need to understand quite a few things. I need to figure out what my next problem is to solve. And so I I've kind of put together a little system of what I teach and what I talk about of, of what I'm thinking in my mind and, and what's going on uh, as I'm doing this scan. And one of the problems that that I see a lot. Um, is people doing a a really really slow scan? Like they're on the range, they draw their gun, they put a couple holes in a paper target, they bring their gun back to a high compress ready or whatever ready position they're using, and then they conduct a, a really slow methodical turning their head left and right uh, and looking behind them scan. Now the problem with that is, I have never ever seen a scan anywhere remotely close to that in any shooting video. And I'm talking about actual shootings, um, and I have never seen a scan that slow, that methodical, that controlled in force-on-force -force training, where on the range people are often just turning their head left and right very slowly, looking around, doing that thing to make sure the instructor doesn't yell at them. But in force-on-force -force training, I'm seeing like whole bodies turn, uh, their torsos turn left and right. Basically, their eyes that are only forward-facing, right, are trying to look in every single direction almost instantly. That's what the person wants to do because they know something else is probably coming. The drill scenario or whatever it is, it may not be over and they're in force on force training. So I need to be, I want, I want all the information right now and getting all the information right now. Uh, it's pretty difficult to do that um, with a really, really slow scan. So I think the adrenaline, the body, um, the nervous system takes over a little bit more and 
we, we, this fight or flight thing, we start just looking around very, very quickly, and I'm trying to identify anything else that could be a problem, anything else that could hurt me, uh, or my next problem to solve. So. I, I t- that's the scan that I teach. You know, I, I don't want a, to see a really slow, methodical, turning the head left and right, looking around. Uh, I like to see scans of, of people doing closer to what they have in reality, what we see in force-on-force training and what we see in, in shooting videos, uh, because I, I think it's going to be very difficult to, to train past that to such a level to where uh, I just had this, the, one of the, probably the most intense chemical dumps in my body and the adrenaline uh, and everything else and the extreme fear um, and did I do the right thing like we got a thousand things going through our minds right then right there um, and completely controlling that 100% and slowing down I think it's gonna be incredibly difficult so it's not something that I try to encourage people to uh, to train past or, or, or get rid of it's how can we use that what we're already going to do naturally uh, but how can we channel that in the right way uh, and get the information that we need to get to survive whatever incident that we're in? Uh, and we're going to get into exactly what that is right when we get back from this quick message from Nighthawk Custom. If you're looking for the highest quality in 1911s, look no further than Nighthawk Custom. Nighthawk is giving away a custom 1911 every 90 days this year. Enter for your chance to win a Nighthawk Custom Shadowhawk with a Surefire X300 Ultra by visiting www.nighthawkcustom.com forward slash gunfightercast. There's no purchase necessary, and there are many ways to get more entries. So, Andy, uh, when we're talking about a scan, what do you what do you what do you talk to your students about? Um, ultimately, uh, you know, there's uh, there's different ways uh, of, of of approaching this. Uh, you hear a lot, at least I've heard a lot of the way I, I come across it is, is um, in reality, um, it's kind of the opposite. Uh, that assessment ultimately is happening first. Uh, and that encounter, uh, guns coming out, you got to do what you got to do. Um, but you're assessing that threat at that moment. You're assessing that, that immediate threat, that immediate danger. Um, is, is it still a threat? Um, and that's always going to be your biggest threat until you find another one. Exactly. Uh, once you assessed that threat, um, you need to immediately start scanning and, and, and looking for other problems to solve. Because there might be other problems. And there might be uh, immediate problems that you have to deal with right then and there. That might involve that gun or it might not. So I, I tell my students, when I talk about the scan, the search and assess, the immediate post-engagement scan, uh, we just drew that gun. We, we stopped whatever was going on. Uh, the person is is on the ground. Their gun is, or they left the they left the area. But whatever happened, the person no longer has the opportunity uh, to do harm. You're no longer in jeopardy. You cannot fire anymore. You should not fire anymore. It's over. That that threat has been um, ended. Right. So that's done. So the next thing I need to ensure that that is the case. Okay. Is he down? Is he out? Because people always say shoot him till they're down. I, I can show you tons of evidence where people are on the ground still fighting. Shooting until they're down does not mean they're down, mm-hmm. right? does not mean it's over. Uh, now, if they're using the term down to say that they're completely out of the fight and can no longer hurt you, then sure, if they explain that. But uh, shooting until they run away. I can show you plenty of evidence of, of people uh, doing the, the felon runaway thing where they have their arm out, gun behind them, shooting as they run away. Uh, that they can still get bullets then just fine. Yeah. So um, that, that opportunity is still there. You're still in jeopardy, and you, you can still deliver shots there uh, justifiably if you can articulate that in, in court. Um, so 
if, if I'm in a situation where uh, I have to draw my gun, have to stop somebody, and the first thing I'm thinking, do I need to shoot this person again? Is this over? Are they still, do they still have the opportunity? Am I or anybody else still in jeopardy? Can, I, can they still hurt somebody right now? Um, do they have the intent to do that? Because that may have changed as well. Um, and if I decide that I do not need to shoot anymore, this is over right now, then the next thing that I'm thinking about while I'm scanning is, is there anything else here that can hurt me? Now, I got this from back in 97, 98. I was uh, doing hostage rescue stuff and some oil platform recovery and some VBSS on ships. And when we would encounter an unknown person that wasn't armed, uh, the first thing we would do is uh, tell them, don't move, show me your hands. And before we would even make contact, flex cuff, or anything else, uh, we would ask them, is there anything in here that can hurt me? So it could have been an ID, it could have been a person in the closet, a bad guy with a gun behind the couch, it could be anything, and maybe they give you that information, maybe they don't, but the first thing we would ask is, is there anything in here that can hurt me? And you know, I thought about that for years, and I, I think about that in that, that simple question when I take my family somewhere. I think of that if, if I'm somewhere where maybe I shouldn't have ended up and I need to get out of here. Um, it's is there anything in here or is there anything here that can hurt me? What else is, is there in that parking lot, in the parking garage, in the gas station, in your house, whatever that you just use that gun at, is there anything else here that can hurt me? Now the answer to that question, it may be that there's another person with a gun. It may be that um, you're like some law enforcement officers have found themselves after gunfights that they're standing in the middle of a freeway that they're standing out in the road or there's a car coming very quickly in, a, in, a, in the parking garage or um, in, the, in the, the parking lot. So there's, there could be other things that aren't trying to kill you, but they could still hurt you, right? Uh, I, I need to make sure that I'm asking myself that question. So that's the first thing that I, I talk to my students about uh, after that immediate post-engagement scan is I'm looking around, is there anything else here that can hurt me? And at the same time, or next, I'm thinking, am I standing in the most survivable location mm -hmm. possible? Is this the best spot for me to be? And the answer to question one may have already got you moving out of that middle of the parking lot, out of the freeway, whatever. Um, but I'm thinking more directly on this now. Am I standing in the most survivable location? Okay, there's a bad dude right there on the ground, still has a gun at arm's length, and there's a planter with flowers growing out of it over here. I can go place that between me and this person so I've got something that can stop bullets uh, in case this thing's not over. Um, he's got some pissed off friends with him. Maybe I need to get in my car and drive away. And I know the internet will tell you, never leave the scene, right? Um, if, if the chances of me having to shoot somebody else or getting shot or continuing to fight other people or it's get in my car and drive a block away while I'm calling 911, uh, then I'm probably going to go with the one that gets in my car and drives away and call 911 immediately. Uh, but I had, I'm going to tell them that I had to leave the scene uh, because I, I, it wasn't safe for me to stay there. So am I standing in the most survivable location? Uh, and that could be because I'm not using cover. It could be because I'm out in, uh, in the middle of the freeway. It could be any number of things. It could be that I'm in the gas station. I have my back to 10 people that I don't know. That, that, that maybe it could still carry holder back there that, that may accidentally uh, consider me to be the threat. 
that I, they didn't see everything that went on. They just heard gunfire and looked up and saw me shooting somebody, and they're just one of those weirdos out there who just can't wait to be a superhero in their own action movie, and they're they're wake up every day hoping today's the day they get to shoot somebody. Um, I want to help solve that problem. I want to move to a more survival location so I can observe, so I can see what's going on around me, and so I can possibly begin to communicate if there's any of that going on. Um, I, I may need to be considering that there's responding officers on the way right now. Uh, which avenue of approach are they going to come in? I don't want them to see, maybe I don't feel safe putting my gun away right now, and I don't want to have my gun in my hand when a responding officer arrives. There may be a location that I can move to that allows me to see those officers pulling up and allows me to put my gun away and cover it with clothing or drop it on the ground or whatever I need to do before that officer makes entry and observes me holding that firearm. So there may be you know, even longer down the road uh, places that I could be at that are going to be um, more advantageous to my survival or make things a little bit easier on me and that responding officer. So it's not just the immediate threat right then. Uh, I really believe that the immediate post-engagement uh, is is can sometimes be more dangerous, uh, depending on where we're at, than the actual fight itself, mm-hmm. um, because you know we're there's everybody will tell you, I, I hear it on a daily basis on the internet. Uh, every active shooter, somebody says, I would have just shot him. So when, when law enforcement officers respond to active shooters, they they don't usually get a call on the radio, active shooter in progress at such and such address. They get a call for something else, and it turns out to be an active shooter. Uh, shots fired or, or you know uh, intruder on campus you know something uh, it was a car accident at Ohio State that they responded to and the officer pulled up and saw the guy was killing people um, so we see we, we don't, they don't often know what what they are so the uh, the person the, the bystander there may observe the very end of you shooting somebody and you're doing a really good interpretation uh, or impersonation of a possible murderer or an active shooter. Um, so that could be a very, very dangerous point for us. So making sure that we're standing in the most survivable location and there's nothing else here that can hurt me is, is very important. Next, I'm thinking about what is my next problem to solve? What's next? Is somebody hurt? Am, am I in a position, am I okay, am I safe to, to provide medical aid? Is it better for me to direct somebody else to provide medical aid to that person? I need to get emergency services on the way right now. I need to either do that myself or communicate to somebody else to get to call 911, to get the police here right now, to get an ambulance here right now. Um, by me directing those things and talking about those things, I have a spiel that I teach in my class that I've, um, I, I've got from Masada Ayub because I, I haven't heard anything better um, and I, I think it, it works great, but I, I can't speak about it on the internet because it's, it's not something that Mass wants uh, everybody to, to know about, uh, specifically the, the people who may use it um, negatively, the bad guys. Um, but any class you take with Masada Ayub or, uh, or, or myself that you've been a, a vetted good guy and you know, you're a card carrier, then um, you know, we will share that information with you. But part of that is, is calling for emergency services and good guy talk coming out of my mouth. I want to look and sound like a good guy. So that person who is doing that clandestine draw behind the potato chips over there at the gas station uh, that can't wait to shoot somebody, they begin to understand that I may not be an active murderer in here. Uh, I just I, I have good guy talk coming out of my mouth and uh, I am looking and sounding like a good guy. We talked a little bit about that with uh, Aaron Cowan in a few episodes ago, uh, talking about active shooters and, and constantly, when that gun's out in a public environment, having good guy talk come out of your mouth. So that'll be one of your next problems to solve, and we should start thinking about solving that as fast as possible. Andy, got anything to add? 
Uh, yeah, you know, um, we, we talked about the importance of assessments, you know, uh, of that threat to make sure that threat's no longer a threat. Um, and, and the importance of scanning, um, uh, of, of things that we need to be bringing in, uh, the problems that need to be solved. Um, I, I, you know, there, there, there's another part there that's kind of like that bridge uh, um, between those two, that assessment and that scanning process. And that's, and that's uh, breaking that tunnel vision. Uh, because how 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 deep uh, that event is is not a common occurrence in everyday you know everyday life you know that you had to pull out your gun and defend yourself or your loved ones um, and there is somebody uh, on the other end of that right now that 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 you don't know you know uh, most commonly and uh, you you can very easily get sucked in that that encounter. Um, I just did this to a, a living person and, and to get sucked in that and, and, st- but we have to understand there's other problems that we have to solve. That scanning process needs to be there and we might need to break that tunnel vision, force ourselves to break that tunnel vision to start that scanning process because of that. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that right when we get back from this quick break. Primary Weapon Systems has a summer rebate sale going on until the end of August. Get $200 cash rebate on any in-stock rifle, pistol, or upper. As a listener of Gunfighter Cash, you get that $200 instantly at checkout at primaryweapons.com using the code SHAW200. You can also use the code SHAW10 on other purchases at primaryweapons.com for 10% off. So a lot of folks talk about that. I talk about it in my classes. Andy talks about it in his. Um, We're the good guys, man. We're, We're... I ask my students this, whether it's law enforcement, you know, uh, armed citizens, it doesn't matter. They, they're, they're not there because of training I've talk, or because of they want to get better at, at killing people. I've talked about this in Gunfighter Cast. They're, they're there because they want to get home to their families. They want to survive. They love people. They're there because of love, not hate, not malice, not ill intent, nothing like that. They're, these are what I consider the top 1% of, of the country that, that, that spends money on training, that, that goes out and wants to be better, that, that accepts the huge responsibility that it is to carry a firearm. Um, and, and the, man, the, the reason, the, the things that, that I, the people that I know, the people I get to hang out with, that they would, they would put their lives on the line for the person that they'd never met before standing behind them or standing in front of them in, in a grocery store aisle. It's, uh, these, these are, these are, man, the salt of the earth. And, being someone who is who's been in, in some fights with firearms and use deadly force, um, I it's one of the few things that I take from my military career training and and uh, you know combat that I take to my classes is the psychological effect of of using force on another human, the things that you begin to question about yourself and what you're doing and why you're doing it, the things that you're picturing in your mind, that the things that that the small details that stand out to you, uh, the weird things like why would he fall that way. Why is the why would I, I didn't I, I didn't realize the dirt would turn that color when blood hit it right if it's cold there's steam coming up you know we're noticing small stupid things that are completely irrelevant to what's going on right now but we're 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 focusing in and getting tunnel vision on what's happening right then and then we we see that we just did this to a human and we're starting to question of whether or not we should have done that right then and there. Um, we're starting to question a lot of things. Am I going to go to jail forever? Is this going to happen? What's going to happen next? Um, and I, I, I'm clouding my mind with things that should not be there right now because what should be there is I should be making sure there's nothing else there that can hurt me. 
Am I standing in the most survival location? And what is my next problem to solve? But we're good guys. We we are the we're we don't there I I hope there's nobody listening to this show that that wants to go hurt somebody that wants to go kill. Somebody. I don't care if they're thug felon doesn't really matter to me. Uh, I'd, I'd like for you to turn it off. Don't ever listen to me again if, if you are looking for the day, if you're looking forward to the day that you get to use your firearm uh, and, and hurt somebody. Now, there's people in another country that I wouldn't mind deploying for like a month. I don't want to be gone from the family very long anymore. I'm tired of that. But there's people in other countries that I wouldn't mind going and, and shooting. I'd be perfectly fine with that. Um, but I'd never, ever want to have to... I carry a gun every day, but I never want to have to use it. Man, I'd, I'd never want to have to deal with, with um, all of the, the things that, that come along with it uh, much less, you know, taking a human life with me there all by myself. I can't blame it on my squad. I can't blame it on my platoon. I can't. I can't disconnect myself and say, you know what? I probably didn't shoot that guy. That's probably one of my buddies who actually killed him, right? Like I, we were just all shooting at him. So chances of me being the one that hit him is probably pretty slim. So I, I can disconnect myself from it and some of the things that I've done in the past. Um, even though I, I'm fairly certain on a few occasions, I could still. I, could, I have a little bit of a few levels of. Uh, of disconnect from it that I can do that in my mind but if I'm standing there in a grocery store gas station home whatever and I have to kill another human um, or stop them and then they die in the process uh, I can I can go and tell you man it's going to be a traumatic experience regardless of what I've done in my life where I've been what I've seen it's still going to be a traumatic experience for me and uh, breaking that tunnel vision and recognizing that I am being incredibly counterproductive for my safety right now because I'm sucked into what's going on right here, what's happening, the way the blood's pulling up on the ground, it's not soaking it up, uh, the steam coming off the blood, the way they fell um, that with their leg under them on the arm, whatever funky thing that happens. Um, it's, that is not what I should be concerned with. right? I should be uh, thinking about staying alive and finishing this and staying safe and doing the things that, that I need to be doing and uh, responding officers, other innocent people in the area. Did somebody else get hurt when bullets were flying? I'm looking for those things. You know, That's my next problem to solve. It, that next problem to solve may not involve a firearm. It may be medical. It may be running. It may be who knows what it is. But I need to break that tunnel vision and I need to recognize that I am one of the good guys and this is going to be a traumatic experience for me. And whenever I start observing some of those negative things that I spoke about that we talk about in combat stress classes and some other things, I need to recognize what they are and recognize immediately that they're not, they are counterproductive. They're not what I should be focusing on with my brain power right then and put those things away and break that tunnel vision and conduct that scan. Well, that's pretty much in a nutshell why I, I teach a post immediate post-engagement scan. That's why in my question at the beginning of the class, why are people on the internet looking around after they shoot targets? It's because I'm, I'm actually, I'm looking and counting the fence posts next to the range. Um, if there's birds flying over, I want to observe how many birds are flying over. Uh, I am trying to find information and process that information. And maybe I use it, maybe I don't, but I'm actually gathering information about what's around me. Does the person to my right or my left have his gun out? Does he put it away? Is he finished the drill? Was I faster than the person next to me? Was I slower than the person next to me on that drill? I'm always trying to gather information no matter what it is when I'm standing on the range and, and training. I There's a few drills that, that I do. There's quite a few that I do uh, toward like the, the end, that last half of the second day of my class that really, really requires... Uh, we're talking handgun class that really, really requires the students to constantly scan because I may give them three problems at the same time. So they have to go solve one problem by shooting it and then solve another problem by moving past another problem and then shooting the other problem. And 
It'll, it'll, it'll make them think, right? Like, it'll make them, make them, and they have to scan. They don't even know they're scanning right then, but they're scanning looking for that next problem. They know there is one, but they don't know where it is or exactly what it is. So they're having to scan to find that. And that's a little bit later on in the, in the class. One of the things that I, I do early that you, I've had people say, hey, I don't really want to train with other people. Can, can I come do the class by myself and I'll just pay you like a good amount of money to do it? And I'll tell them that I'll give them another class. We'll do some other stuff, but I, I can't actually do my, my handgun vitals class with one person because part of what you get, having multiple people on the line, a lot of the drills don't work if you're there by yourself, right? So I've got a, I, I, for example, we'll do explosive movement. Move it forward, backward, left or right. You'll have four commands, front, left, back or right. Um, and if people start getting very misaligned, and I, bring, I break this into two relays, sometimes three, so we have a lot of room laterally between us. Uh, but if someone's way forward, and someone's way behind, and somebody goes the wrong direction, a very unsafe situation could be created. Now, I have control of this because nobody moves until I give a command. Uh, so when I see something that it looks like if somebody might go the wrong direction, I just don't call the next command until I fix them. But what I briefed before this, I explained that that scan that we just learned an hour ago that I've kept on you about doing it, you need to use that scan now. So now, every time you finish an engagement from your new dominant position, you're going to scan, and if you find that you're forward or back, or you see that that person to your left is too far forward or too far back, you need to communicate with that person. And if you're the one that's too far forward and back, you need to actually process and act on that information you got in your scan and get back in line with the students so we can keep this thing going. If not, it slows everything down, and it's also potentially creating an unsafe situation. So it is imperative that they scan and not just look around, but they actually act on the information. So I love the fact of having a drill that not only is a guy behind them yelling scan, but they actually have to act on the information of what they're doing. Um, I've seen people on the range uh, stand behind them and hold up three fingers, right? And people scan, they look back, and they... And then he'll say, how many fingers was I holding up? And then some people know, some people don't. But that doesn't really reinforce it uh, very much. Uh, one thing I do every once in a while, I don't, I don't do it a lot, but I've seen a few instructors do it, and I like it, um, is if I'm some every once in a while, sometime, but, I don't, but you can't do it too much because I don't want them always looking. I don't want them looking for me. I don't want them looking at me every time. I want them looking at everywhere around them. Um, if I hold up two fingers or five or whatever, uh, when you observe that, you need to put that many shots on the target as soon as you observe that how many fingers are being held up by me or whoever else is holding some fingers up in the background. So you're scanning, looking for that. You're looking for me. You're looking for an assistant instructor, anybody else. And if they're holding up three fingers, then that target needs three more shots. So you need to act on that information that you just received during your scan. So finding ways to actually force people to scan or reinforce the, the good habits of conducting a scan and not just turning their head left and right and looking around. I think can be very beneficial if we have to actually, you know, use our, our firearm. Think about the scan. Uh, if you have any questions on anything we've talked about today or any previous episodes, uh, you can always reach me at danielshaw0369 at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, danielshaw0369. You can find Andy at andy at thunderbirdguns.com and talk to him. And if you get a chance, come train with Andy out at Thunderbird. Uh, if you're somewhere in the Wichita area, which is awesome because it's in the middle of the continent, uh, be a great place to go travel to and train. And uh, they have a whole slew of really, really good classes um, to take over here at, at Thunderbird Farms Academy. Um, if you're in, if you enjoy Gunfighter Cast and you want to help me out and uh, help support the show by becoming a patron, uh, visit Patreon 
That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash GunfighterCast. And sign up and help us out. You know, a dollar an episode, $2 an episode, whatever it is you can afford, set a cap. Set that cap at $1 a month for all I care. Um, anything helps. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, helps me get some gear in to review. Helps me uh, do a lot of different things and uh, to fund uh, Gunfighter Cast. And I really appreciate it. Guys, that's uh, it for episode number 147. And thanks for listening. Until next time, Gunfighter Cast out.